0: Do you have what it takes to be a literary translator coming up? Hello and welcome back to the Freelance Verse. As you can see, I'm in a new surrounding, I moved flat, I'm in my new office. Nothing is set up properly yet, but I'm just filming this quick intro for episode 3 of the series specialized on my channel. Uh, this week we have uh, three experts in the field of literary translation on the channel. This has been a highly requested episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it was still filmed in the old flat, so you will you will see the switch when I when we go to the experts. Throughout the videos, you will progressively see uh, my office evolve in this new space. I hope you will like it. And yeah, enjoy this episode. We had a great talk with the three panelists. Hope you enjoy. So welcome back, everyone. We are back with episode three of the series Specialized on my channel. Today, we have three literary translators uh, on the channel. Thanks so much, everyone, for taking the time. We have Tina, Rachel and Taylor. So why don't you guys introduce yourself and tell the people who you are, what is it you're doing. Deila, would you like to start?
1: Sure, Um, I'm Deila, I'm from Freiburg, Germany and I'm an emerging translator from English to German. Um, I studied English and American Studies, as well as Rhetorics, which is Rhetoric for those of you who speak German. And I worked as a copywriter before for an advertising agency. And then I basically decided to become a literary translator, and I'm still new to the field.
0: Yeah, you haven't started that long ago, you told me, right? When did you start?
2: Um, Like half a year ago.
0: Okay, nice. Rachel?
2: Um, Yeah, so I've been translating since... 2003, which is quite a long time. Um, I translate from um, mostly German, occasionally French into English. Um, I'm based in Windham, which is just outside Norwich in Norfolk, in the nice. UK. And I, yeah, I translate a lot of crime fiction and children's books.
0: Nice. All right, and Tina.
3: Hi, hey, I. I've uh, been a literary translator since 2004, so also quite a while. Um, I am from the United States originally, but I've been in the United Kingdom for about 11 years now in Durham, which is in the north, just south of Newcastle,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, and I've translated close to 30 books, um, mostly fiction, a little bit of non-fiction.
0: Nice. So interesting. It's been a very highly requested, uh, specialized episode on my channel. I get the question all this, all the time: like, how do I become a literary translator? And I have to tell them I have no idea. That's why I have you, you on today. So uh, Tina, could you tell the people a bit like how did you get into this?
3: Well, I was translating commercial material for the most part, um, but had always been attracted to literary translation. Because I'm a big reader, um, I also enjoy writing, and it seemed like a perfect marriage of all of the interests to get into literary translation. Um, I translate from the French. You'll hear a different story from any translator you ask, but the way I started, I self-translated, sorry, self-published a novel that was in the public domain. It was a 19th century novel by uh, Georges Sand, and I had it self-published by a company in Canada called Trafford and then I was able to sell that book to a, a mainstream publisher. I contacted a bunch of agents, was able to get an agent on the strength of the translation and then that book was sold and led to further mainstream
0: Wow, okay. And for you, Deyla, what was the, I mean, you recently started, have you been working as a translator before or literary was your first choice?
1: Um, Literary was definitely my first choice. Um, I feel like a lot of people get into it because they love reading. Tina just said it. I wasn't that much of a book person, but I was definitely like a writing person. Like I always wrote poetry and stuff like that. Um, But to me, translating is even more fun than other forms of creative writing, because you don't work off of a blank page, like you have a whole text to dissect. Um, And also literary translation to me is more fun than technical translation, because you get way more time to actually get into the text, like in technical translation, you sometimes only have like a week, or even a day to translate something, and also like... Seems fun, like the prospect of traveling for fellowships or like attending readings and all of that stuff.
0: For sure, yeah. And now you are still in the process of getting into the industry. I assume it's not that easy, right? So, what Mm -hmm. were what what were your first steps into to to becoming a literary translator?
1: Um, I feel like. In Germany, it's either you translate from a small language um, or like a less widely spoken language like Arabic or like, as I said, a small language like Macedonian or whatever. Um, And in that case, editors kind of rely on you to pitch books to them because they can't read those languages. But because I translate English and most editors can read English. They already have their like set translators and they already have their books that they want to translate or that they want to have translated from that language. Um, My way is definitely approaching small publishers. Like I feel like it's hard to get in touch with big publishers unless you go to like the big book fairs like Frank's book fair, but I feel like there's not a lot of success in that. So um, I'm currently in contact with like three different publishers about three different books um, and all of these are small publishers and another way is of course also um, being in contact with experienced literary translators who recommend you or pass a project on to you if they don't have time so that's also something i'm doing like networking with other translators
0: great great rachel what about academic backgrounds is there a type of of study that you would say is is required or suggested if you want to go uh, down this path?
2: Um, <clears throat> I don't know about required. A lot of people obviously do have an academic background, so I um, I did um, my, my degree in modern languages um, and at the end of the final year there was a translation unit, which was the most fun out of anything that we've done over the course of my degree and so um, I sort of thought actually this is something that I quite like to do because like the others are like reading and I've always liked sort of puzzles and codes and word games and things so um, I studied at UEA and UEA has um, an MA in literary translation nice. um, they now also have, have an MA in applied translation but back in sort of 2001 two, it was only the, um, the literary one, so I sort of, and I, I wanted to stay in Norwich, so um, I applied to, to do that, um, I, and I, I think a lot of people do have an MA in, in translation or in literary translation, but I also know that a lot of people don't, so I, I don't. I, I don't. You don't?
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: think there's, it, there's a requirement for that.
0: I guess not really. I mean I also don't have an MA in translation. I have a, a BA and then an MA in another field where I then specialize in. But I guess in literary that's kind of different. I mean you could you could then major in, in literature I guess. I mean that's also a, an option. Uh, Dela just mentioned that one of her clients or several of her clients are publishers and would you say Tina that that's the most common clients that you have as a literary translator? Publishers?
3: Yes, um, for me, by far, um, I have uh, reached the point where it's often publishers will approach me or um, I will pitch a project directly to a publisher. If there's a book that I think, you know, is really worth translating into English and has a good chance of being successful, I will will kind of take it under my wing and put together a proposal and and pitch that book. Yeah, that that actually I think um, is very common among literary translators. Uh, we end up doing a lot of the scouting work ourselves. A, a lot of editors won't speak a second language or may, maybe they'll speak one second language but not not more than that. And you have a whole range of foreign languages that you know books are being published in that are worth translating and so you so know how, the, they're very- how
0: does that process work then do you contact the author or the the publisher or other
3: yeah it's usually the publisher of the foreign language version okay. um almost every website will have a contact for for the, the person in charge of foreign rights Mm -hmm. Uh, That's usually who you get in touch with and say, you know, I'm a translator and I think this book is brilliant. Uh, Would it be okay with you if I translated a sample and started shopping it around to English language publishers? Often they're thrilled because you're really doing a lot of the work for them, you know?
0: that's Um, so interesting. I wasn't aware of this process. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I guess it makes sense if you want to, Yeah, you have to find your own work in a way, right? Yeah.
3: Yes, I would say that's, I mean, Rachel, maybe you'd agree with me, it is It is. It is quite common. Yeah, um,
2: I think it depends in terms of who, who you contact, whatever, it depends a little on the language, and for, for German it's the same as you're saying that you contact the, um, the foreign rights department at the original publisher, but I'm sort of aware from conversations on Twitter that that doesn't work the same way for every language, but... Certainly for mine, my my first published published translation actually came from a pitch, a successful pitch, um, nice. the book that okay. I worked on for my MA dissertation, and it was absolutely literally the first children's book publisher alphabetically in the Writers and Artists Yearbook um, who mentioned translation, which was Anderson Press. That was just. Absolute serendipity because the um, subject of the book was sort of close to the heart of the publisher there. And he, um, but unfortunately, that then led me to think that this would work all the time.
0: Yeah, of course. It it works the first time.
2: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Why wouldn't it work the other time?
2: Exactly, but it very much doesn't. So I think that's pretty much the only thing I've ever pitched directly
0: which is
3: really okay it, it can take a while i mean i i think a lot of um translators will has, will sometimes have more than one pitch on the go at the moment um you know because it, it can take quite a while before you find the right publisher publishers interested and in, and maybe you never do i mean that is that is a risk that you take um but i, I know several people who have who will have three or four pitches being considered at the same time.
0: All right, that seems like a, an obstacle or a challenge that's very special to literary translation. That's super interesting. And I'm always interested in these like common traps. I also asked you beforehand, if you have some common traps, common uh, problems that you face in, in your content. Dela, especially from you, you are kind of representing the, the new newbie person in the, in the, in the circle, right? Uh, what would you say are kind of common traps in, in uh, literary translation that you have to look out for when you translate?
1: Um, well, since we're already talking about the whole pitching process, I feel like, a thing, like the thing that you think of first is just contacting like the whole list of publishers, like info at whatever publisher and just sending out like eight emails that's i think not that's not going to be successful like you have to really look into the program of the publisher like into the types of books that they publish that's definitely a trap when it comes to this um now a trap like in the process of translating of course is staying too close to the original that's the first thing that i thought like of course that's the thing in all types of translation but i feel like especially in literary translation you have to take chances and even if you're thinking you're already taking liberties you have to take even more liberties like to the point where you're uncomfortable sometimes even because you have to make sure that the work um, that it's like a piece of literature that makes sense in the target language on its own, like um, apart from the original. Okay. Um, so that's a trap that people focus too much on mastering the source language and looking are looking too much at the source. Um, so you need to be at least as excellent at your target language, which is most of the time your mother
0: tongue. I see, I see. But I assume, Rachel, maybe you can answer that when you read the book, there is oftentimes a very distinct style of the author, right? How they they write the the text. And when you translate this, do you have this in mind? Or is then the book more in your style as more of a second author of the book?
2: Yeah, so you're always trying to... You're trying to do some kind of magic. So obviously, everything that you write as a translator, all the words that you know and all the books that you've read, will feed into the words that you choose but you're also still trying to filter or like there's something in your brain that's trying to sort of filter the author's style so that it comes out so it's your words but it's trying trying to be their style so I think in terms of traps sometimes you're trying to make a smooth piece of English but if or whatever you're Um, target language is, but if the source text wasn't actually smooth, if the source text was actually jerky or playful or deliberately weird, it can be a trap to make it too easy for the reader. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah, because then there is an intention from the author to make it a bit scrappy and a bit weird. Yes, to
2: If it's meant to make you stop and go, hang on a minute, that's not the word I would have thought would come there. You don't want to use... The obvious word.
0: Do you generally have the option to ask back with the author to maybe see what exactly they meant, what the intention was there, or is the contact is mostly with the publisher? I assume, right? Usually,
2: I get to speak to the author. Okay, to email the author. Obviously, it depends if you're. If you're translating a, a classic of literature and the author's been dead for two hundred years, then that's not much use to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, true, yeah. Haven't done that.
3: So, <laughs> publishers- that does vary. Sorry, yeah. it, it does vary quite a bit. Um like I, I actually prefer not to have a lot of contact with the author while I'm translating. the The contact will come later during the editing process. Um, but when I'm translating, I prefer to be kind of alone with the text. Yes, I, I,
2: I'm in contact with the author after, sort of oh, save up right. all the collection all the um, questions and clarifications yeah, during the right. draft, and then and then get in touch with the author with them.
0: It's really interesting, especially, so this is then really a, a piece of, of your work. This is your, your yeah, your work, your your writing style, right? So how does it work with credits, Tina? Is there, do you usually get credited as a translator in a book or how does this whole process work?
3: Oh yes, I mean, you always get credited, but then this is a bit of a hot button issue at the moment because, um, you know, there's an open letter that's been circulating just in the last few days urging publishers to name translators on the covers of of mm. books. They... Some publishers do that already, but I would say the majority of the time the convention is to put the translator on the inside title page. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes there will be a little biographical blurb for the translator at the end of the book or on the back cover, and sometimes not. Again, that varies by publisher. There is definitely a push at the moment for it to become kind of standard procedure to name translators on the covers of the books they translate, nice. which I'm all for. I think it absolutely should have. We deserve it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you would have the author's name and then translated by your name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right.
3: One thing that might be worth talking about the best ways for you to kind of start breaking into the field or for any any aspiring literary translator to do it. Certainly pitches are a way and you don't have to be an established translator to pitch a book to a publisher. I think that's become a lot easier. and In fact, far easier than it used to be because now everyone's on social media and it's very easy to send a small publisher, um, you know, a a private message on Twitter or Facebook. You know, it's very much easier to get in contact with people. Um, And I think a lot of degrees of separation have been removed, you know, since you don't have to just send a letter out into the ether and you know figure it gets thrown in the bin half the time you know
1: yeah i mean i've heard that like in germany the most common way to get in nowadays is actually to just be like to know experienced translators who pass on a project to you like pitching only works with small publishers and in my opinion pitching is it's kind of fun, of course, because you're also translating sample pages and translating is fun, but it's also super exhausting because you have, first of all, have to invest in buying a lot of books and reading them all and finding good ones and putting the time to translate the sample pages and then sending it out. And also you have to write like an exposé. I don't know the English word for it, like a proposal. Right. And right. you Yeah, which also takes time and, like, all of that whole process and then waiting for the reply just for, like, the 2% chance that they Mm -hmm. will be And also, like, you have to find a publisher that is specifically interested in that topic. Like, it's an exhausting process for, like, the small chance of getting recognized, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. And and it's all unpaid labor, which, you know, is definitely something to care when you've also got bills to pay. But yeah. I think um, another another thing that's important to do, and this is very true, and it, it it relates a little bit to that advice you were given, you know, getting to know established translators and hoping they pass something on to you. Um, it's just establishing a name a, and a presence for yourself in the translation community, which I think the online translation community on social media has become quite important. Um, and then, obviously, there are physical events too. I mean, not in the last year and a half, for the most, but generally speaking, there are not just book fairs, although those are brilliant for making connections. But there are conferences at various universities. There are, um, you know, readings and book signings and all kinds of things. You know, and generally, when you go to those things, you will get in touch you'll get to know other translators and... And also grants, like
1: in Germany, you have a lot of... Um, kind of a lot of financial support for even um, making sample translations and like even before having a contract with a publisher, you
3: can apply for certain grants in Germany to just make the proposal and make yeah. the sample. There's also new books in German. Um oh, yeah. Um, we have a, sorry, I don't mean to take up the whole thing, but I would just mention one one other thing. Um, I'm the co founder of a YouTube channel called Translators Aloud. I uh, mm. don't know if you've heard of it, but it's. Yes, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, but we have uh, a whole designated playlist for books that are seeking a publisher. So okay. that can be used as part of a pitch or just as a way of kind of getting the word out about. Um, you know, a book that you, that you really want to get uh, put into English. Although we have, we have playlists for translation from English, other languages as well. But New Books in German, for example, does a lot of features with us. And so we, fi- you know, they send us readings of translators, reading excerpts from books that are, that don't have a publisher yet, but they have funding for it if a publisher were to pick them up so it's just another another tool you can use to kind of get your work out there it's yes, great, yeah, great?
0: I, I wasn't aware that you were behind this channel that's amazing i will put it in the description of course everyone can check oh, it out so interesting
3: rachel's done some uh, rachel's done a few
2: readings for us yes yeah. yeah, um similarly to sort of to pitching and um, networking um one piece of advice that new translators are often given is to offer to do readers' reports for publishers. Um, You contact a publisher and let them know that you're available to do that, which basically involves reading a book um, for them that they've got in a language that they can't read themselves, and then writing a report, which sometimes it's sort of basically a a plot synopsis, and sometimes it's more focused on whether you think it will sell um, or what it could be compared to, or just your opinion of whether it's any good or not. And exactly what what publishers will want in a report varies. And yeah, it's not exactly well paid for um, quite a lot of hours of work, but um, it is definitely a way to get yourself known by publishers and a way that publishers can get to know your tastes and you can get to know their lists and their
0: tastes. One thing I wanted to touch on before we have to finish already, um, I often read on social media and on like forums of translators that it is, the, of course, the most beautiful and most romantic type of translation, literary translation, but that it is Often not fairly paid, not compensated enough. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that? Is that a misconception? Is that unfortunately true?
2: Yeah, I mean, it varies. Again, obviously, I think it's a lot better than it used to be in the UK, at least. I know that in Germany, the true translation doesn't tend to be as well paid as here. It's
1: actually Um, worse in
2: Germany than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, when I when I do um, sample translations for German publishers, some the rates that they sometimes want to pay is a bit. Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> really?
2: And, and then they'll say, "Oh, but that's what they they pay their translators all the time, sort of thing."
0: So it's interesting because in technical contents, the German market seems to be quite. Well paid, huh? And to finish off the video, I always like to ask my guests this question. Is there a word of advice that you have for uh, people that are watching that think I really would love to translate books for a living and advice that you wish you knew before you started? Maybe daylight is still fresh on your mind. Maybe you have something <laughs> very important for everybody watching. Uh,
1: well, check your spam folder. <laughs> this one, but like on a serious note, um you need patience, I feel like, um, or like stamina, because from finding a book, pitching a book, waiting for responses, waiting until contracts are negotiated with the original publisher, all of that could take like a, a lot of time. So you need patience and make sure you go to a lot of events and meet people because you never know like who knows who and who can pass your sample on to whoever so that's definitely number one advice make sure you're seeing
0: tina's words of wisdom
3: <laughs> i i would echo that really i mean you you absolutely need to establish as i said earlier establish a presence in the community um and that's you know you can there are various ways of doing it there are translation events there's social media um and there is as Rachel said, the contacting of publishers and offering to do readers' reports, but it does take time, absolutely. It's it's. there are no overnight literary translation,
0: yeah. Same as with every specialization, I assume. Yeah. And Rachel to finish it off,
3: <laughs> um,
2: yeah. So, in terms of I mean I wish when i had been starting out there had been all this stuff that there is now all these mentorships and programs and um yes the the, the community that yes so in t- terms of pieces of advice I guess read read really widely in both languages sort of in terms of knowing what's there and what's being published and yeah just what's going on and just to, the more the more you read, the more styles you know, the more genres you're familiar with, the wider your opportunities are really, I think.
0: Okay, thanks so much to all of you. This has been very fascinating and uh, thanks to everyone out there watching the video. Uh, I will make sure to to put all the links that were mentioned in the video down below and also maybe contact information of the panelists if they want to we will put them there and you can reach out to them and maybe get more infos. and uh, yeah i hope you enjoyed this video and there will be episode 4 of specialized in a few weeks or months i'm not sure probably about marketing Uh, but anyways i see you next monday with the next video thanks for watching bye bye